may be seated. Hey, and if you're watching us online, we have a number of people every week watch us online. If you're watching us online, I just want to say to you, because I don't know what you may be feeling right now in this moment, but God is the way maker. God is the miracle worker. God is the promise keeper. Receive, may that give you peace. May that give you peace. Amen? All right. Hey, if you're a guest with us, we have been walking through these 10 love instructions. You may know them as the 10 commandments. I like to look at them as these love instructions. And we've been going backwards, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. Today we're on love instruction number three. Let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word this morning. Open our minds and our hearts to your truth. God, as we ask you every week, pour out your Holy Spirit on us because your Holy Spirit convicts. Your Holy Spirit purifies. We need your Holy Spirit, not just now, but each moment. It's the only way that we can reflect your image. And we want to reflect your image, God. We don't want to do anything to defame your name. God, when we do, oh, man, we're just going to call out right there and then and say, man, I, God, just, I confess that to you. Help me. I don't, want, I don't want to give someone a wrong image of who you are. And we go to that person and we just say, hey, we're sorry, God. We're sorry, God, that we may have influenced this person in a negative way. So, God, please correct us when we need to be corrected and then empower us to be everything you've created us to be. In your mighty name we pray and ask, amen. If you wouldn't mind turning with me in your Bible, we're going to get right to it this morning. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. And at some point, we're going to flip back to Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 through 5. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is what God says to the Israelites. This is what God says to us. And these Israelites had just been, had just been released from captivity. They're standing at this foot of the mountain trying to wonder, what are we, what, where do we go next? What do we do? And this is, what, this is what God tells them in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Did you notice anything about this instruction that is different than the others? Well, I'll help you. This instruction... It suggests that God will punish us if we misuse God's name. In fact, in another translation, it says, I won't leave, you un- I won't leave anyone unpunished who misuses God's name. So God takes this one very seriously. And so it, it causes us, at least it causes me to ask some questions. What, is it, what does this really mean? What do you think it means to misuse God's name? Is it, is it, is it, is misusing God's name simply saying things like JD this or JC that or sending a text that I'll just say the initials OMG? Uh, Is misusing God's name saying things like this, like saying you're a follower, you're a Christian and then saying things that, that this one church says, this Westboro Baptist church. And, and, And I'm just reading what they say. So please don't, don't. Look at me as the bad guy here, okay? God hates, and, and I said this word a couple weeks ago when I was highlighting this, when I first started the series, and someone was offended by this word, so I'm just going to spell it. God hates F-A-G-S. Thank God for dead soldiers. God hates you. I think that when we use the name of God to demean or to diminish another human being, 
we are misusing God's name. Do you, do you agree with me on that? Well, what about this? Well, what, what about name dropping God's name? Is that another way that we can misuse God's name? Uh, for example, how do you argue with someone when they come to you and say, hey, God told me that you should do this. God told me that we should do that. God told me that we as a community of faith should do X or Y, and it, it's using God's name to move that person's agenda forward. I think you, you may have heard of the church where each board member believed that God had spoken and, and God was pointing them in a particular direction. The, the problem is, is that each board member was pointing in a different direction. That, that church no longer, just so you know, that church no longer exists, right? What about this? Do you guys remember 9-11? It's hard not to remember that if we're of a certain age, right? Uh, and and, and sh- not surely, but sometime after that, within that year, there was this panel and I remember this panel discussion, and it was, a, and it was a number of religious folks, and they were talking about uh, religious extremism and violence. And, and one of the gentlemen on this panel by the name of Eli Weasel, uh, at one point as people were talking about things, he just asked an interesting question. He says, uh, who do you think is the, most, is the unhappiest character in the Bible? People thought on the panel, they thought about it, and then most of the people said Job. Someone said somebody else, and I can't remember. And then Eli goes, no, I think it's God. And then everybody got quiet. And they're like, what do you mean, Eli? I think God is the unhappiest character because of all the pain that God must feel when he sees us fighting and killing and abusing each other in God's name. Now, I don't know about you, but none of those examples that I've talked about so far about misusing God's name, I I, I never really struggled with never really had an issue with. So when I read this instruction, I'm feeling pretty good. I think I got this one in hand, right? But as I started to do some research on this one, when I looked at the Hebrew, the, the way that this whole instruction is written in Hebrew makes it very clear that, that this instruction has a very wide application. And so once I understood that, then my lawyer tendencies took over and I said, I got to do some research or I got to figure this one out. And so I began with this. If we're, if we're going to try to figure out what does it mean, how, how do we misuse God's name, then I think it's important for us first to identify the name that we're not supposed to misuse. So, so you're going to go through some lawyer logic with me here. And there's some backstory that I got to do some backstory to help us understand this one. Okay. Are you guys, are you guys, are you guys with me here? So we're told in this third instruction not to misuse. And I want to, I want to read it. The name of the Lord, your God. Now this name is not technically the word G-O-D, God, that we say in English. It's the Hebrew translation of the word Lord. And in the Hebrew, it's these letters that we would say Y-H-W-H. And we put in two, two vowels in there and we say Yahweh. And this is how God revealed God's self to Moses from the burning bush, although in English we say it in a lot of different ways. In particular, in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, this is what we're told. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So this is how God revealed God's self to Moses. And then this this name, this Lord name, is used over 6,800 times in the Hebrew Bible. That's what we call the Old Testament. But 
the name here is not the only important thing, okay? It's also about how God chooses to self-disclose God's self to the people of Israel and to us. And so God says this in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 2, and this is really the opening statement of these 10 love instructions. And we're going to talk about this opening statement in detail in a couple weeks. Let me read it to you now. This is how God chooses to self-disclose. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Throughout the Hebrew Bible, this is how God continues to refer to God's self. And it's how the leaders in the prophets of Israel refer to God as the one who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. You see, the exodus is the defining moment for the identity for the Israelites and for their understanding of who their God is. And this is the God who delivers people. This is the God who frees people from bondage. Amen? Now, before, now before, um, before God gives these Israelites these 10 love instructions, he does two things which I think are very important for us to understand this whole instruction not to misuse God's name. And the first thing that God does is, is tells them in, in Exodus chapter 19, he, he, he tells Moses, remind them of the Exodus. This is what God says in, in Exodus chapter 19, verses 3 and 4. Then Moses went up to God, this is on Mount Sinai, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself, the Exodus. God wants the Israelites to remember what God has done for them. Rescue, redeem, liberate. And God wants the Israelites to understand that the exodus was all about God's grace. That is, they did nothing to deserve this rescue. They just cried out, and God's rescued. And it's God's grace, then, that provides the foundation for their big-picture role in God's story. And so the second thing that God does before God gives them these 10 love instructions, God tells them what their big-picture role in God's story is going to be. And this, is, and this is what we're told, continuing in verse 5, God says this. Now, if you, he's talking to the Israelites, maybe he's talking to us too. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, it wouldn't be that simple. Just, just obey me, just trust me and keep my covenant. Then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, priests. I talked about this in a different context a little over a year ago. Priest mediates the divine. And to mediate means to come between. And so what a priest does is a priest comes between, between their God and, and their people. A priest shows you what his or her, her God is like. And so if you go to a temple or you go to a shrine and and you see what a priest does, the different rituals they perform, you get an understanding of who their God is, like and who their God cares about, and what their God cares about. And so when God invites the Israelites to be a kingdom of priests, God is inviting the Israelites to show the world who God is, what God cares about, and who God cares about, which the Israelites can do because they have experienced the 
Exodus. They can testify to God's grace in their life. They were slaves. God freed them. They can talk about who this God is and what he cares about. Now, there were hints of this invitation to be priests earlier before the Exodus happened. In Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, when Moses is really pleading with Pharaoh to let God's people go, we're told this. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, like God. God is telling Moses that Pharaoh will see him like God. Now, this wasn't Moses' idea. So what's going on here? Well, this leads us to that universal truth, that God needs a body. God needs flesh and blood. God needs bone and skin so that Pharaoh will know who this God is and how this God operates in this world. And not just so that Pharaoh will know, but so that all humanity will know. But God just doesn't call the Israelites to be a kingdom of priests. He also invites them to be a holy nation. And this is what, again, I want to read to you, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Again, it's so important for us to understand who God has called the Israelites to be so that we can understand this third instruction not to misuse God's name. And so when we, when we look at this word nation, it takes us all the way back to Genesis, where we see the progression of sin, violence, and death. What started with one brother, Cain, killing his, other, his, his brother, Abel, what started there, then we see a whole civilization at odds with God. Then the flood, and then we go on from there. And then in Exodus, beginning of Exodus, what do we see? It begins with the Israelites being enslaved by the Egyptian nation, a nation where sin has run amok, where it has gained steam and then resulted in structures and, and, and systems that are anti-kingdom. That is, systems and structures that dehumanize people, that exploit people, that take advantage of people. God responds to this anti-kingdom by setting up a new nation, a holy one. That's what he wants Israel to be, a holy, a holy nation shaped not by greed or violence or abuse of power, but rather a nation that is shaped by compassion and justice and care and love for one's neighbor. It's as if God is looking and telling the Israelites, you have experienced Egypt. And not only you, but Egypt was the power of that day, right? So, so not only you have experienced Egypt, but a lot of other people have experienced Egypt. Now, I want you to be the anti-Egypt. I want you to show the world that there is a way better way to live, where we live for the best interests of each other. And so it's here at, at, at this mountain, this, at the foot of Sinai, where after God reminds the Israelites of who he is, I'm your rescuer. I'm your redeemer, I'm your liberator. And where God gives the Israelites their big picture role in God's story, that is, they are to reflect God's image to the world. It's, it's there then that God gives these Israelites and us these 10 love instructions, which are all designed to teach the Israelites what it means to live in a godly way, what it means to live in right relationship with God and with each other, which is 
which is the best way to live. I, I just want to say this. I don't know if anyone could ever take issue with you if you say that the Christian way is a way of peace and love and gentleness and kindness and self-control, it's going to be very hard to argue that there's a better way to live than that. Are you, are you guys following me this morning? So God begins these, these 10 love instructions. Again, he begins this way in Exodus chapter 20, verse, verse 2, with this opening statement, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And so uh, I want to make the point here. And so this is a God that doesn't hover over or float above the dirt and the blood and the pain of the world. No, this is a God that's active. This is a God who acts on behalf of the oppressed. This is a God who acts on behalf of those who are in bondage. This is a God who liberates people from whatever is holding them down. This is a God who rescues people from bondage, whatever that bondage may be. And so this God rescues the Israelites, and then he invites the Israelites to be God's hands and feet in the world. This God does not need, and we'll talk about this next week, this God does not need an image made out of wood or stone or marble like all the other gods that were being worshipped during this time. This God doesn't need that. Why? Because this God has a people. This God, this God has a body. This has major implications for us, that is, those of us who actually call ourselves Christians or God followers or followers of Jesus Christ. Can we really be a body through which God reveals God's self to the world? Well, God thinks so. But God also knows that we, that is those of us who call ourselves Christian, followers of Jesus Christ, followers of God, well, we can also defame the name of the Lord, which will do great damage to what God's trying to do in this world of bringing healing and restoration. We will do great damage if we say we're a follower of God and act like something else. Are, are you guys following me? So God gives this instruction in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, the Hebrew word for misuse also can be translated as to carry. And so God has redeemed these former slaves, and then he's inviting them to testify to God's redemptive act in their life. And to testify about the God who made it happen. In essence, he's inviting them to share, share their testimony. To share about this God who has changed everything in their life. Are you starting to see application to those of us who call ourselves Christian? If you come to step one of Life Track, in that step, we talk about how to share our testimony. And we take that seriously. And so it's like God is saying, and I say the same thing there is, think about who you were 
before you started following God. For the Israelites, hey, we were slaves. We were beat down. We had no purpose. We were just making bricks. And that's what we were made to do. Seven days a week, 365. Remember who you were before God changed you. And then remember that moment when God, when you were introduced to God. And then remember how God changed you and how God continues to change you. Are, are you guys with me here? We are to share that testimony. They, Israelites, we are how the world is going to know who this God is, what this God cares about, and who this God cares about. God's reputation will depend on how they, the Israelites, how we carry God's name. Are, are, are you guys... And as I understand this instruction now in that context, I simply have to say, whoa, maybe this instruction applies to me. The questions that were at this point in time that were left to be, to be answered were, will the Israelites, now that they've been rescued, now that they've been redeemed, now that they've been liberated, will they be a people who act on behalf of the poor and the oppressed like God? Or will they become oppressors like the Egyptians? Will they love people the way that God loved them and continues to love them? Or will they exploit people like the Egyptians? Maybe misusing God's name has something to to do with that. That is saying that we're a God follower and then doing something that's ungodly. That's why I think that this third instruction, the violation of this third instruction is really the sin of the pious, really the sin of those who call themselves Christian than it is a sin of an an unbeliever, right? Because the only way that you can violate this instruction by misusing the name of the Lord your God is if the Lord your God is your God, right? So maybe this instruction is not just about not saying things like JD this and JC that and OMG. Maybe this instruction is not just, not just about using God's name to demean and diminish another human being. Maybe, maybe misusing God's name is not just about using God's name to advance our agenda Maybe when you look at this instruction and you, and you understand this, this, this background here, maybe misusing God's name is also all about calling ourselves a follower of God and then acting in ungodly ways. Are, are, you, are you, guys, you guys in agreement with me on that? So if we take the name Christian for ourselves, hear me on this. If we take the name Christian, if we say that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, then whatever we do and whatever we say, we are doing in God's name. Whoa. If we take the name Christian, if, if, we, if we say that we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we are telling the world that if you want to know who this God is, what this God's all about, who this God cares about, if you want to know who Jesus is, then just look at me. Watch how I interact during the day. Watch how I interact with my spouse. Watch how I interact with my kids. If I'm a teen, hey, friends, just watch how I interact with my parents. 
Watch how I interact with my coworkers, the things that I say. Hey, watch how I uh, respond to difficult situations. Because that's how Jesus would respond. So if you want to, if I'm going to take the name Christian, just, just watch me and you'll know who this God is. Whoa. Whoa. That's what it means to take the name of the Lord as your God. Are you guys with me here? Now, some of you may be sitting there saying, well, what does that really mean? You know, be like Jesus, da-da-da, put some meat around that. I'll tell you, I'll give you some meat. You want some meat? I'll give you some meat. Jesus gives us some meat. Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. And, and I always starts with those attitudes. We are poor in spirit people, which is awesome, right? Because it's an attitude of total dependence on God. I can't be God who you called me to be unless you're in me, right? We are mourners. What's that, Pastor Dave? Well, that means that we weep and cry over and pray against the injustice in the world and we weep and cry over people in our sphere of influence who we love dearly, who are not following Jesus yet. We're going to battle for them. We're going to outlove the evil ones, hate for them by interceding on their behalf until they come to know this, this God who's changed everything in me. We're mourners. We're meek people, not weak. We're just meek. We just put other people's interests above our own in order to point them to this God who saved everything. We're merciful people, right? Because God is with all his judgment on us. And let us experience God's love. And so we're going to do the same for everyone in our sphere of influence, right? We're going to give them a second chance. Mm. We're people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. That is, every day we're hungering and thirsting to live a life in conformity to God's will. We want to know God's will, and we want to do God's will. And so we are pure in heart people, too, because we have a single-minded devotion to God. That's all that controls it. It's not about the money. It's not about the title. It's not about possessions. It's not about status. It's about just submitting to God each and every day. I'm focused on you, my Lord and Savior. Have your way with me. You guys with me? It's being peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Peacemakers, it's, it's taking positive steps towards reconciliation of relationship because God's all about that. It's being salt. That is adding some godly flavor to our community, making people thirsty for God. It's about being light in the world. That is actually doing things to help those who are in need, who are hurting. So people can see, whoa, okay, you actually are living out what you've been talking about. It's being a truth teller. People at our work and our family, they should know when we say something, it means what we say. It's about being a forgiver and a lover. And the love that we're talking about is a love of sacrifice for the sake of others, a love of action for the benefit of others, and a love of forgiveness that lets go of all past wrongs. And so if we're going to call ourselves a Christian and God follower, we do that. We live that. And we don't do things like this. We don't covet our neighbor's stuff. And we we definitely don't cover our neighbor's spouse. We don't, we don't bear false witness against our neighbor, against our family, whoever. 
We don't gossip about them. That's not what it means to be a God follower. We don't lie. We just, we just don't, we just don't, we just don't do it. We, we don't, we don't commit adultery. Mm-mm. Jesus took it to another place. We don't lust. We don't look at porn. Two of the sins that are great in the church that I have observed are gossip and porn. Would you ever teach someone to gossip? Would you ever teach someone to do porn as a God follower? Then why would we do it? I have a simple rule. If I wouldn't teach a kid to do it, then why would I do it? You guys follow me. And so we don't murder people either. Oh, Pastor Dave, I've never, I'm not, no, remember how Jenna so eloquently helped us understand where Jesus took it, right? We don't murder people with our words. We don't speak words of death into people. As a Christian, we honor and respect our parents. As parents, we don't exasperate our kids. We don't, we don't cause them to be in a state of frustration and anger. And heaven forbid, we never, ever, never, ever abuse our kids. If we're going to call ourselves a Christian, right? And as a Christian, what else do we do? Well, we take regular rests from the endless nature of our work. And we show the world that that's a godly, actually healthy way to live. Are you guys, are you guys with me this morning? And so if we call ourselves Christian and then act in ways that are cruel, that are hateful, that are mean, that fail to love our neighbor when that need is presented to us, that, my friends, is misusing the name of the Lord your God. That's misusing God's name, and God will hold no one guiltless who misuses God's name. And so here's the deal. It's just life. We are sending a message. If we call ourselves a Christian, we are sending a message to people from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed. Every day we have the opportunity to bring glory to God by how we handle certain situations, by how we interact with people, or we can defame the name of the Lord our God by handling those in ungodly ways, right? So I want to give you, I want to give you a mantra to live by. If you want to take a picture of this, you can take a picture of this. I am the message. Oh, I love the innocence of a child, right? Couldn't get any better than that. I want to end right now. If I say, who's the message, what are you going to say? Who's the message? Who's the message? Okay, it's still kind of weak. I got to give you some inspiration. All right, here we go, right? All right. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Somebody clapped the loudest, so here you go. So who's the message? 
What message? Ooh. A message that imitates God in every way, in every day. I love how the Apostle Paul takes this, takes this instruction in Exodus 27, and I love, I think he puts a positive spin on it when he says this in Ephesians 5.1. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Why? Because you are his dear children. Because he's rescued you. He's redeemed you. He's liberated you. If that is our, I am the message. If I am to imitate God in every way in every day, then how we start our day matters. Wouldn't you agree? Our soul, that is our mind, will, and emotions, and our spirit perspective is absolutely critical when we begin our day. And so I want to give you a practical tip to get an alignment, to at least have the chance to imitate God in every way, in every day. You've heard me talk in the past that, that, my, that the, what drives me is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And every day I, I say, here I am, God. Please fix me. <laughs> and then use me. I want to give you another morning starter because this may resonate more with some of you. And it's taken from Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer. And these these two prayer phrases that I really want to encourage you to start your day with. It could be two minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be 30. Whatever it takes, I want you to start this way. And it's Exodus chapter 6, verse 9. I, I want you to say these words out loud. Jesus says, pray then this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Again, we're, we're trying to live a life so we're not defaming the name. We're trying to imitate God. And in, 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 this, in, in, in this, when we're asking this, hallowed be your name, we're asking that God's name be revered, that God's name be considered holy, that, that God is to be honored. And how does that happen? Well, it happens by us acting in godly ways as we interact throughout the day. So what I want to encourage you to do is sit with this verse and say, God, how can I bring you honor today? I have some meetings coming up. I'm going to be interacting with this colleague that just has been irritating me. How can I honor your name? How can I I do that? How can I point this person in your direction today? Just sit and let God speak. God, do your work in me so I can bring honor to you. And then, the, and then the next verse I'd like you to sit with is verse 10. And just say it out loud. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how does that actually happen? The answer is, is through you and me. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is wherever I am, and we are to be followers of Jesus Christ. So actually, the kingdom of God is wherever we are. That is those of us who claim to be Christian. So just sit with this verse and say, God, how can I bring your kingdom, your kingdom of peace and love into my family environment today? How can I bring your kingdom of of peace and righteousness and love and gentleness and kindness into my work environment today? How how can that happen today, God? You know what I'm going to, you know before I know what I'm going to have to deal with today. God, just please make me your vessel. 
Help me, please, God, help me to bring honor to your name. Help me to usher your kingdom here on earth, God, as I walk throughout my day. Are you guys following me this morning? So I really, really would like you to start your morning this way. Make this be your morning starter. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Make it happen through me today. And so what I want to do today is I want to end this service in a little bit different way. I want to end it with confession. A prayer of confession and a prayer of renewal. There's something to be said for coming to God's altar. In the Old Testament, and that's where we've been for a while, the Old Testament, the Israelites would bring these sin sacrifices and then sacrifice it on God's altar as a confession, repentance of their sins. We don't have to do that anymore because Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price, right? But there's something to be said for coming to God's altar and just confessing, man, God, I've been misusing your name in ways I hadn't really thought about. And I need you to do some work in me. I need you to renew my spirit. So I'm just gonna ask you, if you're someone who wants to come and stand with me this morning at God's altar and pray a prayer of confession, I, am, I, I just spent some time writing out a prayer for me. And I'm going to read it. And I'm going to ask you to adopt it. So you'll repeat after me as I read it. And we'll confess together and we'll be renewed together. And for those of you who are good on this one, like this instruction, I'm, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not really misusing God's name. I'm gonna ask you when we stand and come, if you could stand where you are and just pray God's covering over us. Just pray for God to do God's work in us. And then after that, we'll go back to our seats and we'll just sing this, this beautiful song that the worship team is gonna lead us in. So if you wanna come with me, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna stand here. If you wanna come with me, if you wanna engage in some confession and renewal, Come join me. Mm. Yeah, God, man, we just, (laughs) we give you thanks that we can have these moments We thank you for your gracious altar where you have just spilled your blood for our sake. And so this morning, God, we're just gonna start. We're gonna start the way the psalmist starts in Psalm 139. And so me and my brothers and sisters here, we're just gonna gonna cry out to you and pray. Father God, I ask you to search my heart. If you find anything that is offensive, Anything that misrepresents you, please show me and remove it from my life. I confess all my sin, all of my nonsense to you. I repent and turn away from things that misrepresent you. I am sorry for how I have misrepresented you to my family, to my friends, 
and to my coworkers. I lay all of my bogus living at your feet. I submit my thoughts and my words and my actions to you. Oh, Father God, please lead me to a life that shows the world who you are, who you care about, and what you care about. Please lead me to a life that draws people to you. Help me live my life on earth in a way that impacts eternity. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for making me holy. Thank you for giving my life purpose. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray and ask. Amen. All right.